Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Not a want, you know what I mean? Well, that's how the show is going to start, too, because that's because we're live now. So <laughs> That's good. That's we're good. throwing People... up mentions there right away, and we're doing the show a little bit different today. So usually we start with what is most uh, prominent for the teams, whether it be, you know, the Badgers when they were in the NIT, like we started with the Badger stuff and then moved into Bucks, and then whatever else was going on. Right now, the Bucks are the more prominent team because they are in the playoffs and the Brewers are in the first month of the season. But because Jake and I want to have some, I think, important and some vulnerable discussions when it comes to the Bucks. And not only our perceptions of them, but also how we as fans are carrying ourselves when it relates to a team that we love struggling Mm -hmm. and how we can relate it to ourselves as people, because I truly feel that it's very important as a sports fan. And we've really taken an approach of relating our fandom to being people. So Jake and I are going to end with the Bucks today because we think we have some pretty important conversations to have. So with that, um, we if you missed it already, we did talk about Aaron Rodgers on Monday. We did a pop-up live special thing after the trade was announced. Uh, yep. It is official. So the, mm-hmm. the bat, fuck me. The Packers will have the 13th pick tomorrow. It is official now. Rodgers was introduced on the Jets today. Uh, but if you missed that episode, you can go back and find it in our videos on either Facebook or YouTube. It's probably a little bit easier to find on YouTube. But uh, we did that, so we're not doing any Aaron Rodgers-related discussion today. We're going to start with the Brewers. Um, I did talk a little bit about the Brewers-Mariners finale last Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, the Brewers put together a five-run seventh inning. Uh, Peter Strzelecki got into a little bit of trouble in the bottom of the ninth. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bush got in for the third straight game and got two pop-ups to save the game. Um, Eric Lauer was fantastic. Seven and two-thirds innings, four hits, two earned runs, four strikeouts, only one walk. Um, Joey Weimer was two for four. Um, Bryce Terang was one for four with two RBI. Rowdy Telez had a pinch hit single. He was one for one with two RBI. And three through eight in the order all had hits, and they did it with runners in scoring position and with two outs. So it was a great job by the, the middle slash back half of the end of the order to get that one done. So for me, I mean, is there anything else you wanted to throw out about that game last um, last Wednesday while uh, you were recovering a little bit from some sickness? 
<sighs> Welcome back, last, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Last week was rough, man. Holy crap. Um, no, I, I don't really have much to add. Just I just love that we have opportunities to see the Brewers against all the teams in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this before, but I think it's just yep. awesome. And it definitely needed to happen. Um, we got more to talk about it with it, so – yeah, yeah. Um, you put out a cool stat about the Brewers completing the first sweep in Seattle since 1988, right? 89, you were close. 89. Um, I knew it was close to the year my sister was born. Um, so, yeah, so that was pretty cool. Um, other than that, no, I'm ready to talk some Brewers versus Red Sox. Yeah. That Mariners series was actually the second sweep the Brewers already have in this season. They only had four sweeps all of 2022. Hmm. Uh, what's up, Craig? Welcome back. Um, Yelich seems to be hitting better. He's getting there. He just, he's still hitting the ball hard. He just needs to get his launch angle up a little bit. And then who knows where we're going from there, but he is still getting on base, which is good. Um, but he can continue to build on it. Yes. But let's get to this Red Sox series. What's it out to you from game one of the Red Sox series? Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Still have a little bit of a cough. Um, want to talk about, um, Freddie Peralta got roughed up a little bit, gave up four and runs over five and a third. It is what it is. It's not a horrible start. Um, Hobie Milner is still an absolute stud. And two of those runs were inherited runs that Hobie Milner allowed to score, which normally he's almost completely locked down. So that's a little uncharacteristic, but two of those runs did get charged to Freddie Peralta. Yeah. Um, And then uh, Bryce. Brees, Bryce, whatever. Uh, Wilson is becoming one of my favorite players in, in, in the bullpen. Um, he's becoming very reliable. Um, he pitches a lot of innings, and he doesn't allow a ton of hits, even though he gave up, wow, like two or three this week. But um, on the season, I believe he only has 11 total. So 11 hits, and he's, he's faced uh, 57 batters I, I saw earlier today. So 11, 11 hits and 57 at-bats is a good percentage that's under 200. So uh, you have a guy like that that can come in and, and shut some stuff down over a couple inning span. That's, that's big time. Uh, Yelly had an RBI to Les with a home run and to Rang with an RBI. Uh, the Brewers ended up losing this game, but it's nice to see to uh with the power that he didn't lose that. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you that. Um, I do like that. They have to wipe down the cheese. <laughs> After he wears it, it gets, yeah, it gets Lily always wipes his head off. <laughs> so I, the big guy's gonna be sweaty. Yeah, uh, yeah, I I think that's hilarious. But um, nah, it it kind of sucked that the Brewers ended up ended up losing this series, especially the way the game went on Sunday. I'm getting ahead of myself, but uh, mm-hmm. this one was eh, just just a one loss, I guess. Yeah, and you you mentioned a couple of the guys that are worth bringing up. Bryce Wilson being one of them. I it was hard for me to keep him out of my power pair for the second straight week. <laughs> he was really close to being in there again, but I went with a different guy, which we'll get there. But uh, bottom of the third inning, it was cool to see Owen Miller and Christian Yelich manufacture a run. You know, there's just absolute crying for small ball last year from mm-hmm. from the fan base, and for Owen Miller to rip a single steal second base, and then Christian Yelich drive him in with an RBI single. It's good to see that 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 small ball is actually working for the Brewers, in mm-hmm. addition to the power still being there with Roddy Telez, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, so, bottom of the fourth inning, after Roddy Telez hit his home run, uh, Wilson Contreras hit a double, and then Bryce Terang drove him in. Um, 
it really this is correlating so strongly but walks to strikeouts is equaling wins that's really what it's coming down to and this game the brewers had 13 strikeouts and only drew two walks mm. that's a that's a tough ratio to overcome yeah. um Greg asked, who are your favorite players this year besides the relief pitcher that we were talking about, which is Bryce Wilson and Rowdy Telez? I really like – it fucking sucks that he's going to be out until later in the year, but I really like Garrett Mitchell. Me too, bro. He's a stud. Um, Bryce Terang is a is a stud too. Like His defense is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, really hope that the Brewers can find a way to bring Brian Anderson back. He's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like – Arguably one of the best signings of the offseason. He's been fantastic. And yeah. I'm going to talk about him a little bit more later. So, spoiler alert. <laughs> um, so, game two. Um, let's throw it to you from game two. Well, the Brewers ended up stealing this one. <clears throat> um, another guy who was a great signing, Wade Miley. Uh, underrated. Dude. I'll say that. Nobody, nobody's going to talk about him all year long, right? Only the Brewers fans. Uh, the people that actually pay attention to the team are going to be talking about him. But towards the end of the season, when the Brewers are competing for for playoffs, whether it be division or or wild card, uh, Wade Miley is going to be a guy that that national media starts to bring up. Like, wow, Wade Miley's been a constant for this team. I really feel yeah. that way. Yeah. Um, five innings pitched, only two earned runs. You can't ask for any anything else, right? That, that, that's a perfect what, outing 32? for a guy like <laughs> right for, for Wade Wade Miley. Uh Piamps was good. Uh Strislecki, that's your boy. Every time I see him come in the game, I'm like, Tyler's watching. <laughs> <laughs> um Hobie Milner and uh obviously Devin Williams uh picked up the save in this one. Uh Yelly with another RBI, back-to-back games on the RBI, and a stolen base. He's up to five stolen bases already. He's mm-hmm. on track for a very, very good season. If he can get yeah. that average up. He he could have a, a very strong season. Um, Anderson yeah. uh, the uh, had an RBI, and Telez had two RBIs. Both of them two out RBIs. I want to point out because mm. that's very important. Yeah, good um, call. Especially in this game, the two out RBIs ended up uh, pushing us ahead, and we we won this game by one run. So um, that's what I saw the the Brewers stealing a win. Yeah, definitely. Um, this one. Um, Blake Perkins made his first career start um, in Major League Baseball, so it was cool for for Brewer for Brewer Blake Perkins to make his first career start. Uh, yeah. uh, he did pinch run in the game before that. Um, Wade Miley got into a little bit of trouble in the first inning. Uh, Willie Adamas made a really tough play in shallow center field, and then a walk and a long single off the wall. Uh, Wade Miley avoided giving up any runs in that situation. Greg said, no one will talk about him except Brewers fans. We don't need no recognition, just win. And I'm totally on board with that. Comes yep. to the end of the season, and Wade Miley gave 30 starts and had a 285 ERA. You're going to be super excited about it. Oh, hell yeah. He would have been a great pick for an underrated performer of the season. Yeah. Like, we made some good picks, but. Dude, he was so um, underrated. He he was underrated in the underrated section. Yeah, he, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because Peters was lucky. You're not going to be able to underrate him because he's been no. fantastic. No, he's phenomenal. Uh, top of the second, Wade Miley gets a pickoff. Now, I've seen a lot of people saying, and 99.9% of the comments on the, the TikTok of the Brewers when Wade Miley made that pickoff attempt and got the guy out, 
Um, what's up, Dan? Um, <clears throat> all of them were saying it's a balk. It's a balk. He motioned towards home. He didn't bring his right foot behind the pitching rubber. So that's what made it not a balk. Because mm. he did, like, when he puts his foot down, it's towards the plate. But he didn't necessarily motion towards the plate. But because that right foot didn't cross the rubber, it that's why it's not a balk. So that was the that was the explanation that I saw. And that's the only thing that really made sense to me. Um, Josh asked, what time does the draft start tomorrow? Oh, 7 o'clock. So we will be live for that, which we will bring up again. Oh, yeah. I, uh, he was underrated. He was penciled in on the back of the page. <laughs> I got I got my station set up for tomorrow night, man. It's going to be a much more relaxed view tomorrow night. Yes, so. yes. Very relaxed, like feet up on the desk type yes. of relax. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, just looking through to see if there's anything else I really wanted to bring up. Um, Peter Strzelecki had a single and a double. Uh, and then Hobie Milner with the tying run on second came in and struck two guys out. So Hobie Milner just doing some high leverage stuff. You brought up Wade Miley's numbers. Joel Piamps did get hurt by the home run, uh, but he has been decent for a guy who was on the fringe of the roster coming into the season. Like I have, I have no complaints about Joel Piamps so far. No, me season. either. Me either. Uh, and for a guy who was a throw in and the William Contreras trade, like I will definitely take that. Yeah. Uh, Peter Strzelecki, Hobie Milner, Devin Williams, like you mentioned, lockdown work out of the bullpen. The three of them combined for three innings pitched, only two hits, three strikeouts, no walks, no runs. That's that's the back end of the bullpen that, in my in, in my opinion, should be seven, eight, nine. Because as we carry into game three, I mean, it was basically just all one inning. It was mm-hmm. basically just the eighth inning that really hurt the Brewers uh, after they took the the four three lead. It was just walks and home runs that really did the Brewers in. Um, yeah, James is a Red Sox fan. Shocking that James popped back up when the Red Sox beat the Brewers. <laughs> you want to talk about Trey Young, maybe, or too soon, uh, or whatever. I'm not even gonna get into it. Doesn't <laughs> matter in my opinion. No, but this this prompted the re- the designated for assignment of Javi Guerra. Uh, Matt Bush did go to the 15 day injured list after this game. But when we're talking about back end of the bullpen, I really like Peter Strzelecki, Hobie Miller, Devin Williams as seven, eight, nine, in my opinion. Um, James said ice tray is a thing. It is. He's annoying, but whatever. Yeah, he is. I'm not a fan of him. I was was just poking fun at you. The the Celtics will win that series. I mean, I won't be shocked when that happens. (laughs) Um, The Red Sox scored their first hit or their first hit on a, a bunt single and then scored on a sacrifice fly. So it's kind of just one of those like, okay, yeah, cool figures. Uh, <laughs> nine of their 12 runs came in that eighth inning. So, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Bottom of the second inning, or sorry, top of the second inning. The Red Sox had bases loaded, only one out, and only scored two runs. So it was a good job uh, to limit that damage that could have obviously been way worse. So Corbin Burns did only make it through the five innings, gave up five hits, did have five strikeouts and three walks. That's the thing with Chris, with sorry, with Corbin Burns. The outings that he struggled have been low strikeout, high walk games. And maybe it's just a little bit of, you know, not being quite in midseason form yet, but you know, just looking for Corbin Burns to keep those walks down 
And other than that, I'm I'm totally fine with Corbin Burns. Two of his earned two of his runs were earned. Uh, third one was unearned. But I will say the Brewers, despite losing by seven, having the bottom of the fifth where the Brewers went Joey Weimer double, Blake Perkins bunted him over to third base. Christian Yelich had an RBI single. <clears throat> uh, Jesse Winker had a single that Christian Yelich got to third base on. And then Willie Adamas hit a sack fly for the Brewers to kind of manufacture runs. I do still take that away as a positive, despite the Brewers losing this game by seven runs. Yeah. Those are building block type moments. It, that's, that's a perfect way to put it as a building block. So, I mean, was there anything else that stood out to you uh, from this game? I, you know, after we stole game two, I was like, all right, Burnt is on the mound tomorrow. We can win this series, whatever. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll give them one. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. And we ended up taking the lead. Didn't even didn't even get a hit to take the lead. By the way, yeah. Um, wild pitch. wild pitch. Weimer scores because he has the wheels. And then Bush comes in, and I'm like, all right, let's get three outs. We'll be good to go. Gives up the back to back homers, and I'm like, the wheels are a little rusty. And eventually the wheels just completely <laughs> fell off. Yeah. We couldn't find replacement wheels. It is what it is. I mean, these games, they happen. And this is going yeah. to balloon uh, Bush and Guerra's ERAs yeah. out of the bullpen. And people are going to be like, oh, they suck. But it's just, it's really just one outing. And these guys barely pitch. So Bush getting <laughs> through a third of an inning, giving a four and runs is going to absolutely kill his ERA. Right. And I don't think we need to get to a point where we DFA Bush, which I saw people calling for just because he's given up a lot of home runs. But, like, the fact of the matter is he's got great stuff. He's got a great curveball, and he's got an electric fastball. So maybe just moving him out of those high-pressure situations is just what he needs. We can just have uh, just have him pitch in the sixth inning or in the seventh inning with a, with a bigger lead, let him get his confidence back because <laughs> he's got the stuff to do it. I agree. And even in the first game of that Red Sox series, he did come in and get two high-leverage outs. So he yeah. is capable. Um, there was just a game last week where he came in, he struck three guys out in one inning. Right. So he's got the capability to do everything the Brewers are asking him. Just maybe move him up a couple innings just to let him get his confidence back. I believe in the Brewers pitching lab, so I think they will get him right. Um, if history has proven to prove anything, it's that they, they know how to use guys correctly. So yeah. uh, Bush will <laughs> definitely get right. Uh, let him be on this 15-day DL, and he'll be fine. Um, James said the Brewers are a potential contender. Great pitching goes far. Yeah, and I think they'll be ahead of the NL Central soon. I don't know what the hell has gotten into the Pirates, but good for them, I guess. Yeah, what the hell, well, Their best player gets hurt, and then they're like, all right, yeah, we're just going to win a bunch of games. <laughs> Doesn't make any like sense. Said, we've won most of the series except for the Diamondbacks in Boston this year. And uh, yes, right. I believe the Diamondbacks coming into this game was the or this series was the only series the Brewers have lost so far. Yeah. So the Red Sox and Tigers are the second and third series the Brewers have lost this season. And with game one of the Tigers and the Brewers lost this one, uh, it was their first back to back losses of the season, which did end up becoming three in a row. But the Brewers are the last team in Major League Baseball to lose back to back games. I tell you what, we're in a much better spot than the goddamn White Sox, dude. They haven't won back-to-back games this year, I don't think. Oh. I think I saw that stat. They, it's like the longest drought they've had since like the, the 30s or something like that. But, yeah, the White oh. Sox haven't won back-to-back games this season. 
That's gross. Yeah. Oh, that's rough. <laughs> Damn. All right. So Brewers Tigers game one. This was Bryce Terang's first appearance at shortstop this season. Willie Adamas. Um, Willie Adamas uh, DH in this game. Bottom of the first inning, William Contreras finally gets his first home run as a Brewer. Yes. That's exciting to see for him. Yes. Top of the third, Colin Ray got into a little bit of trouble. gave up a home run. Without William Contreras and Bryce Terang teaming up to get a caught stealing at second base, that three-run home run could have easily been a grand slam. True. There were tons of guys on base that inning, and the Brewers were able to get a guy out on the bases. Uh, bottom of the third, Mike Rosso got one back. Just an absolute no-doubt rocket home run. Colin Ray did get a clutch one, two, three, fourth inning. And then the bottom of the third, or sorry, the bottom of the fourth was kind of the rough inning for the Brewers. They went walk, walk, or sorry, single, single, not walk, walk, single, single, strikeout, single, had the bases loaded with one out, and then a fly out and a strikeout. That's tough. <sighs> that's essentially what did this game for me. Um, top of the fifth, the, the Tigers got an insurance run, and the Brewers only had two more base runners for the rest of the game. So William Contreras in this one, two for four with a home run. Mike Brasso hit a home run. Colin Ray, five innings pitched, four earned runs, four walks. Yep. Um, I will say the bullpen did a very good job in this game. Four innings pitched, three hits, uh, two walks, three strikeouts, no runs between Bryce Wilson, Alex Claudio, and Jake Cousins. Um, Jake Cousins, baby. I know. I'm excited for him to be back. I'm excited Woo-hoo! for him Spider to be back in Milwaukee. Yes. Uh, but definitely a good job by the bullpen. I saw people complaining about the bullpen this week, and it's like outside of the Red Sox finale, like the bullpen actually wasn't bad. You yeah, know, like a, so. a couple isolated runs here and there, mm-hmm. which you're not, not going to avoid. Nobody's bullpen is going to have a 0.0 ERA. I mean, it's really just the one game you're looking at. So... Greg said the Pirates will be plucky this year. They seem to be playing with confidence, chip on their shoulder. But as long as always, the season is long with four G's. Um, it is a long season, and I, I get that the Pirates are a division rival. But like, I like some of their players. Like, I it sucks that O'Neill Cruz was hurt because yeah. he's 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 so fun to watch. Like, I he is. Um, people are excited because Shohei Otani is coming to Wisconsin this weekend. Like, yeah, he's going to be fun to watch. Doesn't mean I hope the, the Angels win any games. Um, <laughs> right. Isaac doesn't need to be any sadder than he already is with the Clippers getting eliminated. <laughs> For um, real. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac, if you're watching, I'm probably not ever going to stop bringing up the Clippers being your favorite team. Dude, um, did, you see, did you see Simon say that yesterday? Yeah, yes. I was going to say, never let that it. die. We need to never let that die. <laughs> um, what stood out to you from the first game of the Tiger series? Uh, you pretty much covered everything, really. Um, and I was just looking over my notes. It, outside of that one bad game, the Brewers bullpen gave up one earned run the first game. They gave up two earned runs the second game versus the Red Sox. Zero in the first game. Zero in the second game. And they didn't give up any runs today. So really three runs outside of that one bad game. Hmm. So people and none in the Tiger series, and none in the Tiger series. <clears throat> Interesting. So think about that. That's that's the perspective that people aren't getting because they're like, "Oh, our bullpen sucks." Like, no, no, they don't. Yeah, just, you're, you're really letting one bad game skew the entire sample. 
uh, it just makes me so much more excited for the conversation we're about to have because it just it really just needs to happen. Yeah, I agree. We're, we're going to get there. So the first game, yeah. Ray, like you said, he, he struggled a little bit. Um, I was super excited to see Contreras finally get a home run. I was like, dude, yes. this guy's way too good. He has yeah. too much power. His swing is so beautiful. He has great balance. Dude, he's um, owning the right side of the field. Yes, yes, he is. Um, he's just too good of a hitter to, to stay down for too long. So um, yeah. him getting a homer, um, first one, Brousseau, his homer was a no-doubter. Like you said, that was his third of the year. Mm-hmm. So really, you covered everything. The, the thing that I was most excited for was Jake Cousins being back. I'm not going to lie to you. It sucks that we lost, but um, yeah. outside of that, <clears throat> it is what it is. Yeah, day by day. Same same thing, Greg. Uh, the Bucks might join the Clippers soon. Hey, day by day. We're going to get yeah. there and talk about it. Um, yeah, Bill said those are the same people that talk bad about Yelich after he strikes out. Yes, and then they're the I same do. people that are just crickets when he plays well, which are just honestly the worst kind of people. I'm sorry. I'm really not sorry, but like if that's the way that you're going to choose to be a fan and – you know, I'm sure the same people would say, you can't tell me how to be a fan. I'm going to I'm going to say you're a bad fan if you only talk bad about players you think are you know not deserving of whatever. If you only talk bad about them and never give them credit, like, I'm sorry, you're a bad fan. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm really not. I'm sorry, but I'll say that I'm sorry because it's it's a tough thing for somebody to hear potentially. Yeah, I, I don't mean to bring this up too early, but I could already sense the toxicity in the Packers fan base with Jordan Love. I can already freaking feel it, dude. <laughs> and it just makes my blood boil. It's like uh there's gonna be so it's gonna be so such like radical reactions on both sides, I think. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's gonna be insane. It's gonna be intense. And I think more people need to tune in to us, not because I want the views, because I do, but because we're gonna keep your head on straight, and we're gonna right. we're gonna temper those expectations. And not it's the roller coaster. It's the yeah. roller coaster. We right. want a smooth ride, win or lose, great or bad. Like we want a smooth ride either way. I uh, agreed. Okay, life life already sucks, man. <laughs> we don't need to make sports <laughs> suck. Come on. Uh, game two of the Tigers series. What stood out to you from that one? Well, now that I, I looked up the numbers, uh, the bullpen uh, also. Eric Lauer, just every once yeah. in a while, man, he has he has these outings, and obviously this one comes pretty pretty close to the last one that he had that I'm going to talk about. But um, yeah, the four earned runs in three innings, uh, eight hits, uh, two walks, four Ks. Every once in a while, he just his stuff has no movement, and it stays stays really really straight. And yeah. when when his stuff has no movement, he doesn't have overpowering stuff. So it's right. basically like fucking batting practice. Yeah. Uh, excuse my French. Uh, we're trying to watch our language now on this on this on this television cast here. Um, so when his stuff stays straight, it's pretty easy for a professional hitter to be like rake time, you know. Yeah. But he still has the ability. I'm not saying he's a bad pitcher. I'm just saying that every no. once in a while he he has these moments and that's because and that's what you get out of a, a four or five starter, right? Right. He he is like the actual definition of a four or five starter. We have three great guys right in front of him and Wade Miley. I'm gonna bring him yeah. up again. He's been fantastic too. Yeah. So we can kind of hide these these bad uh spot starts from Lauer every once in a while. Right. Um shout out to Yelly, another RBI. Um I am 
totally for being like the anti to all the yelly haters. So every time he has a good game or he hits for an RBI, I'm just I'm I'm there. Um, Tolez with another homer, so he gets to put on the sweaty cheese again, and Miller gets an RBI. So those are the things that I saw. Lauer just needs to get that movement, needs to needs to get that arm action up or or whatever he's missing in his his rotation, you know, with his pitching, he needs to figure that out and be more consistent with it. But other than that, dude, I got no complaints. It is what it is. Yeah, he's he, and to your point, like bringing up the the lack of movement on pitches is a is a perfect thing to bring up, and I'm glad mm-hmm. you did. Um, Detroit really just jumped on him early, and he does, like you said, he has prone to those outings once in a while. He's a little bit prone to giving up some home runs in some games. Um, I think I saw 25 home runs in his last 23 starts, something like that. Ugh. Yeah, which is rough. But again, this is one of those things where like he's probably had some games where he's given up like four and then other yeah. games where he's given up none. Yeah. So Detroit jumped on him early. They had two base runners in the top of the first, didn't get any runs. But top of the second inning, they had the three-run home run. And then after that, went double, single, single, and we're up 4 nothing in the top of the second inning. Mm-hmm. So Tigers really jumped out to this one early. Um, and Greg said, it's been a long time for Yelich's recovery. It's been painful to watch because he was so automatic. It was fabulous. He said, I felt bad for him, yet he hasn't quit. So lots of respect. And he knows the expectation. He knows what the perception of him is. He would, Basically, if he didn't get hurt in the September of 2019, he would have been back-to-back MVP. Um and Bellinger won that one, but nobody talks about how badly he fell off, and he didn't even fracture his kneecap or hurt his back. No, he just started to suck. <laughs> yeah. Um, Josh said, I wish I could go watch those games to see Shohei. You yeah, have a brand-new baby to take care of. Don't you dare think about leaving this house. <laughs> <laughs> I used to watch games on my phone while I was rocking kids to sleep. Tish needs to get on board. He's a brand-new dad. That's the way to do it. <laughs> um, uh, babies also on your lap they do make great xbox controller holders i know this from experience as well <laughs> uh bill bellinger is the enemy that's who he is yes he plays for the bad guys uh, you mentioned christian yelich's rbi in the bottom of the third bottom of the fourth owen miller did drive in a run on a ground out made the game four to two roddy telez in the bottom of the sixth of bottom of the sixth, Roddy Telez let off with a home run, four to three, and then only one base runner after that. And it was a Luke Voigt double um, in the, I want to say it was the eighth inning. It was a Luke Voigt double and then three strikeouts after that. So he got stranded at second base. Josh said my girlfriend suggested going, well, then you got a free pass. Yeah. <laughs> the Brewers this game. 10 strikeouts, only three walks. That's not the side of the ratio you want to be on. And like I said, the walk to run, or the, sorry, the walk to strikeout ratio is pretty correlated with wins. Uh, all four runs were tri- or scored against Eric Lauer. He pitched three innings, gave up eight hits, four strikeouts, and two walks. Elvis uh, Paguero made his Brewers debut. He pitched three innings, only gave up two hits, had two strikeouts. And zero runs. So great job by Elvis Baguero. Um, Joel Piamps had a bounce back game after giving up an inning, or sorry, giving up a run in his previous appearance. He pitched two innings, also only gave up two hits, two strikeouts, no runs. 
And then Peter Strzelecki shut down the ninth inning and the Brewers just couldn't get one run across to tie the game or potentially win the game. So going to game three, um, Greg said, your kids love the Brewers now, right? I used to put my son in the swing to sleep and have loud opening of 2020 Saving Private Ryan. And now he loves war movies. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. My kids do like going to Brewers games. Yes, they do. Uh, Josh said her sponsors the her work sponsors the Brewers and the Blackhawks, so we get cheap tickets. Well, tell you, hook us up, Josh. I'm gonna say two, I'm gonna say two things. First of all, Josh, thank you. I will be abusing that power. Secondly, <laughs> um, Greg, my daughter, uh, she 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 only sees me watch sports, right? So when football's on, she loves football. When basketball's on, she loves basketball. She has her own little basketball hoop with her own little basketball. So when nice. the Bucks are on. She's carrying around her basketball. She goes, ba ba ba, and then she dunks it and she does the flex like dad. So um, she loves football and basketball. So I got that going for me. <laughs> yeah, the opening loud 20 minutes. That's funny, Greg. <clears throat> All right, let's, let's go to game three. Actually, sorry, sorry. One more thing for game two because it this streak did end in game three. But in game two, Willie Adamas did extend his on base streak to 14 games that Ooh. tied his career high. It sucks that that streak ended today. I wish you could have left that last part out. I know. I wish I could have saved that part for game three with him extending his career high. But the Brewers did get a win, so I'll take it. Yeah, Um, I'll take take it. Coming into game three, uh, after game two, Willie Adamas had been on base in 23 of 24 games. So now with game three, he's been on base in 23 out of 25 games. So Willie Adamas doing great stuff. Uh, Spoiler alert. He's also going to be talked about later. <laughs> let's talk about today's game quick, and and we'll wrap up our, our Brewers uh, recaps. But what's the two from today's game? Well, uh, fastball Freddie had a great bounce back performance. I'll say that. Yes. Uh, six innings pitched. No earned runs. He did give up two two runs. They were I, ac- I actually have right here great bounce back written in my notes. Very tiny because I had to squeeze it in there, but it's there. It says great bounce back in my notes. <laughs> Um. Uh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Four hits. Uh. No. No walks. That's the most important thing. No walks for the entire yeah. Brewers pitching staff. By the way, right here where I have great bounce back written underlined is zero walks right there, <laughs> underlined because it's important. It is. Uh. The so AKs. If you could just do, a, do me a favor and get out of my notebook. I'd really appreciate it. Uh. You got to stop showing it on camera. <laughs> uh wilson again was fantastic gave up one hit in two thirds also had a strikeout uh hobie milner with his fourth hold of the year uh two thirds of an inning uh one hit strzlecki with his seventh hold of the season uh two thirds of an inning everybody's just two thirds of an inning apparently today right (laughs) um and he all he also had one strikeout and devin williams comes in and we know what happens when devin williams comes in he throws nine pitches and and gets everybody out so that's what he does. How many how many tablets do you fill in a season? Greg's talking about I, how expensive the notes are. I I have yeah. about four pages per show. Four pages per show. I'm yeah. I'm usually I'm usually at like two and a half, three. Two and a half for well, three. Because my writing is back. so yeah, I, I use front and back of the page too. But my my writing sometimes all of a sudden I'll think of an idea from from something I'm writing down and I'm like, damn it, I gotta fit that in. But I gotta make sure that it correlates with this. So I have to like write it in like really sloppy and it looks so stupid. So then I'm like, nope, got to rewrite this. And then 
<laughs> yeah, so it's 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 a fucking mess, dude. I I sorry, I forget for sorry, but I am shocked that I'm able to read anything out of my notebook. I have it once in a while where I can't read my notes because I have stuff written in here so tiny because I'm trying to fit stuff in the margins. So I I try to like practice what I'm gonna say, and then I still mess it up like bananas and apples, and it's just like what the heck is happening? Right uh, now? Greg said, get some paper company stocks. It should be something like that. Like I like that's a good idea. My affinity that I have for notebooks and stationery now. And I did do all of my my draft research. I did do that on a tablet this year, so I didn't just chew through 300 sheets of paper during my draft prep this season. Um, Josh, Blackhawks games are fun to go to. I went to a Blackhawks game as a Predators fan. Wearing a bright yellow jersey and a sea of red, white, and black is fun. (laughs) (laughs) I would go to a hockey game, too, just because it would be a cool experience. What's up, Taylor? How you doing, buddy? What's up, Taylor? We're just talking about today's Tigers game. Uh, Bottom of the first inning, the Brewers – jumped on the Tigers early right after the Tigers jumped on the Brewers early in game two. So game three, Christian Yelich is hit by a pitch. Jesse Winker. This guy deserves some credit. Jesse Winker down 0-2 comes all the way back to draw an eight pitch walk. He was on the fastball too. Yes. Um, And then Rowdy Telez gets an RBI double. Brian Anderson drives in two runs with an RB, with a two RBI single, and the Brewers are up three nothing already in the first inning. Mm-hmm. Top of the second inning, Freddie struck out the side, so three straight strikeouts by Freddie in the top of the second. Bottom of the second, Joey Weimer hits a double. The exit velocity on Joey Weimer's double, hundred and eight miles an hour. It's pretty good. That'll play. Uh, then Jesse Winker drew another walk. Willie Adamas reached on catcher's interference and the bases loaded with two outs and Rowdy struck out. So he couldn't uh, deliver some extra magic, but top of the third Tigers were threatening a couple base runners on Freddie got a a strikeout to get out of the inning. So good job by Freddie again, Mm -hmm. bottom of the third, Brian Anderson hits another single to the same spot as he did in the first inning that drove in two runs Mm -hmm. and Victor Caratini followed it up by hitting an absolute rocket home run into right center field in the bullpen. And after that, that was pretty much it. I mean, Mike Brasso had an infield single. That was the sixth hit by the Brewers. Um, The Brewers only had six hits total in game one and in game two. Um, Top of the fourth, the Tigers did get an unearned run um, on a guy who reached on an error and then a double on a single. uh, Got the Pirates, sorry, the Tigers to five to two. Top of the fifth, Friday got a one, two, three inning. He finished with six innings pitched, four hits, eight strikeouts, two runs, neither of them earned runs, and then then no walks, like Jake said. Mm-hmm. Freddie Peralta threw 98 pitches today. He had 18 swings and misses. That's a good percentage. <laughs> That's basically one in five pitches that Freddie Peralta was throwing was swung and missed. He had the good stuff today. Yes, he did. <clears throat> Uh, Greg said I used to testify in court as an expert witness and always had to give both sets of lawyer copies, my legal notes, ideas, plans. One time my opposing counsel asked why my writing was so sloppy. You just tell him it'd be like that sometimes, Greg. <laughs> um, he said, I don't write my notes for you. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't <laughs> I don't write my notes for anybody else either. I have abbreviations yeah. and symbols like for my percentages for basketball. I write them. Like I have parentheses for three-point shooting, straight lines for field goal shooting, and brackets for free throw shooting. Oh wow! I I created I created my own little tables for everything that I nice. do with with hitting. Uh, with if pictures. I handed my notebook to somebody, like it might as well just be written in hieroglyphics. 
<laughs> it makes sense to you, man. That's all that matters. <laughs> that's that's where we've gotten to. So, yeah. um, bottom of the eighth inning, Joey Weimer hit a solo home run, yeah, gave the Brewers an insurance run. Uh, the Brewers won six to two. Brian Anderson was two for four with two RBI. Victor Caratini two for four with two RBI. Joey First Weimer two for four did have a double and a home run. So, give me your Brewers power pair. And underrated performer. So, who is your power position player? I went with uh, Contreras this week. Uh, I felt like he. I felt like he was consistent, um, and that's really what I look for with with, with this is is consistency. Um, unless a guy's really just hitting that goddamn cover off the ball, right? So, right. Um, Contreras was very consistent. Five of fifteen. Uh, that's basically one for every one for three. So that's three thirty three. <clears throat> four runs, one RBI, first homer of the year. He also had a walk, and he always brings that swagger uh, swagger and, and that, that great attitude, in my opinion. I feel like he's a great locker room guy just from yep. what I see. Um, so, yeah, that's that's who I picked. He – and I'm going to – I'm actually going to be writing something up about this, but his defense has gone quietly unnoticed. Yeah, it has. Dude, he – I, I we were just talking about this like what like two three weeks ago where I was like dude he's got the hands bro he's got hands he's athletic he's a monster and he's he's a he's a one knee guy so yes. th- th- those guys they could that that's got to be awkward to have a hundred mile an hour pitch coming at you and you're on one knee like I can't imagine that that anxiety <laughs> just, just they're proposing to it <laughs> <laughs> um. I went with Brian Anderson. He was six for 20 on the week. That's a 300 batting average. He also drew three walks, um, had the two home run game, mm-hmm. and he drove in five RBI this week. So I went with Brian Anderson. His his addition to the Brewers, like I mentioned before, I do think, and I think a lot of people would agree because he is among the league leaders in RBI right now, one of the signings of the offseason so far. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Craig said, imagine somebody 100 years from now being 100% puzzled by your brackets. <laughs> yeah, right. And the side scribbles, yep, got them in the margins too. Um, I'm on my like fourth notebook, I think, since Jake and I started the show. So, <laughs> uh, Who is your power pitcher? I went with Bryce Wilson, not going to lie. It's a good one. He was my guy last week. It was hard for me not to put him in here twice in a row. Yeah, I know he was your guy last week. I, I was watching and I was like, oh, I can't not put him in there. Um, so he got 15 outs total this week. He had five innings pitched. He gave up three hits, one earned run, one walk, eight Ks. So eight of his 15 outs were strikeouts. Five of them were fly balls. Two of them were ground outs. Um, and I, I went a little advanced here, and I looked up his hits uh, at bats because I was like, man, he's been really damn good. Um, before this game today, he was 10 of 55. So 10 hits and 55 at bats. That is under 200. That's a 188 batting average. Nice. And he's equally as good against righties as and lefties. Uh, lefties are 6 of 26 mm. against him, and righties are 4 of 29 against him. So it's not like he, he's mm. dominant against one and not very good against the other. He's good against both. So that is a guy that is earning his role on this team. That's really interesting because he came over from the Pirates as a starter, and the Brewers are using him as a long reliever, which yeah. is what I thought – the role that Ethan small was going to have because he's a left. I thought maybe they would use him in that role, but using Bryce Wilson as that long reliever has actually worked out very well. And you bringing up the righty lefty stats, I think kind of 
goes to support that thought process. Um, And then um, if you like, if you put that, that week of his appearances as, you know, five innings pitched one earned run eight strikeouts, like that's fantastic. I don't think anybody would be upset about that. I agree. So, yeah, definitely a good call on Bryce Wilson. Uh, I went to pick a different guy. I went with Hobie Milner. Uh, He made four appearances in the last week, three innings pitched, three hits, two strikeouts, no runs. He pitches in high leverage situations is what Hobie Milner does. He's the guy that Craig Council calls on when guys are on base and you don't want them to score. Yep. He did allow two inherited runners to score uh, in the Red Sox series, but other than that, Hobie Milner has been fantastic. So I went with Hobie Milner. Who is your underrated performer? All right. I have a reason for it. It's going to sound like a cop-out, but it's not. Us fans do not realize the difficulties of being a professional athlete, the Mm -hmm. stuff that they deal with Mm day-to-day. So I actually went with Devin Williams, and the Mm -hmm. reasoning behind it is because he doesn't pitch for a few days. For him to just come up there – after not pitching for a few days and then just absolutely dominate. Like he, it's just, for some reason, I'm just amazed by that. I'm just like, dude, this guy literally hasn't pitched in like three days. He comes in, throws nine pitches, gets three outs. Like what the, fu- what, what is this man? <laughs> this guy's a monster, dude. So I, I went with that just because of that wow factor of him sitting down, being cold, essentially coming yeah. into a game situation and just, just dominating like he always does. I just wanted yeah, to give some love to him. That's good. And it's, I think the part of the wonder is like, at what point do you get rusty? Yeah. Yeah. For a guy who is, you know, who doesn't know if he's going to pitch that right. day or not. Right. You know, starters, at least, you know, you know, they're only pitching every five days or six days, but you know when your next appearance is. So you can yeah. mentally prepare for that. Mm-hmm. And, and they physically prepare for it as well. Like, you know, you know they do bullpen sessions and, icing mm-hmm. and all the recovery and stuff. But if you pitched yesterday, you don't know. You might have to pitch again today. Yeah. Or you might not pitch until next Saturday. Right, dude. That's 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 my point pretty much. Yeah. Is like it, it's crazy to me. Yeah. That's uh no, it's an interesting thing to bring up and I'm I'm glad you did. I went with Willie Adamas. I did already mention that part of this week was his 14 straight games on base, the tightest career high. Uh, he didn't get on base today, which ended his streak, but he has been on base in 23 out of the 25 games that he's played. And another thing that I don't think people are really talking about is how improved his plate discipline is. Yeah. He actually leads the Brewers with 17 walks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I went with Willie Adonis as my underrated performer. I don't think there's ever a bad choice in underrated performer category. Underrated performer, it might be my most fun thing to pick every week. Yeah, because it's like you don't want to go obvious, but you also don't want to be like, oh, that's a total reach. You know, you kind of want to be like, yeah, this guy, that people don't respect this guy enough for what he brought to the team. It's fun to pick them because, like, you can can think of different reasons and justifications for picking guys. Mm-hmm. And you don't usually you can make them make sense, or you know, if as a guy who's not getting a lot of credit and you want to give him some credit, underrated performer, there he is. So Brewers have three home games against yep. the Angels, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I believe. Yes, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, yep. and then they are at Colorado, 
um, starting Tuesday. So Tuesday and Wednesday. So essentially five games between now and next Wednesday, actually next Wednesday will be next Wednesday night. So that'll be after next Wednesday's show. So only four games that we'll be recapping for the Brewers last week, but three at home against the angels, one on the road against Colorado. But uh, what are you, what are you thinking for those four games? I'm saying four and all. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go great. No, nah, I'm just kidding. Mm. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say three and one. They'll lose one to the Angels just because the Angels are pretty good. I mean, they have a couple good players over there. I don't know if right. you've heard, but um, I expect us to uh, right this ship. We'll win yep. this series against the Angels. They'll win the first game against the the Colorado Rockies, and uh, yeah, we'll come in the next week talking about three wins and one loss. Yeah. Um, so I'm also going to go three and one, uh, I pretty much the same reasons as you are for, for predicting it. Um, <clears throat> um, basically Shohei Otani and Mike Trout are on the same team. Like I mean, those two guys are good enough to win the game. Good too. So, um, Shohei will not be pitching this week. Um, mm. Greg said the athletic posted an article about Weimer Terang and Mitchell helping the wave of their early success. And I think that's part of what bums me out so badly about um, Mitchell Garrett Mitchell getting hurt because like he was starting off so well. Yeah. 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 All right. It sucks. It it does. <clears throat> but is there anything else you want to say about the Brewers? Um, just a little perspective for people: the Brewers are going to lose about. 60 more times this year just so you're aware 60 65 right. 60, 70 yeah they're gonna Somewhere be in that. that range so if you're not okay with losing baseball's not your thing <laughs> or being you know being able to understand the perspective of what happens when you lose like it's not the end of the world yeah taylor um, I, I just know that frelick actually has had surgery yeah taylor frelick he's probably six to eight weeks out he had surgery on his thumb so probably not. Um, basically, Tyrone Taylor is going to get a shot at keeping his job is how that's going to go. Yeah. Um, Tyrone Taylor is in Nashville making rehab appearances, as is Adrian Hauser. And Gus Varland has been cleared to make some rehab appearances as well. So Bruce Bullpen might be getting a little bit of reinforcements as well as the starting rotation and the outfield. So hopefully those guys, when they're back, can help make an impact and, and get the Brewers – um, a little more back on track after kind of a rough week. I agree. All right, so let's jump into the Bucks now. Jake and I, we talked about it. Uh, we're going to do our recaps pretty quick because we want to have some pretty serious conversations about basically about the fandom and and we want to kind of focus a little bit on how to go forward. So Jake and I, we're going to start with games two, three, and four. Jake, just give me kind of the Cliff Notes version of your thoughts on game two, and we're going to do the same things for game three and four. And then we want to ask some pretty serious questions um, as far as adjustments go for the team and then posing questions and thought processes to fans as well. Okay, so you want me to run through all my Cliff Notes for all the games right now? Just game two. Let's let's just do one game, game at a time, right but let's, yeah, let's okay. just rock them out. So game two, <laughs> real quick, um, the Milwaukee Bucks came out angry. They came out ready to play as a team. Um, they were more prepared for game two, uh, knowing that Giannis was not going to be playing after being hurt. Um, there's a page you're in. 
I hate. Oh, okay. I would like to know what page that is, Taylor. Um, uh, the Bucks came out angry. They had 35 assists. That's great. Only 11 turnovers, so that's also fantastic. Uh, the Heat still shot the ball very, very well, in my opinion, but we managed to force them force 17 turnovers on them. I feel like that was the difference maker in the game. Um, other than that, uh, the Bucks uh, split at home, so it's what it is. Which one, Taylor? I need you to be more specific. There's a lot of negativity everywhere, unfortunately. Yeah. And there's a lot of Nancys everywhere, too. Not all of them are negative, <laughs> but. <laughs> um, Pat Connaughton was a big standout of this yeah. game. Awesome yeah. to see playoff Pat uh, popping in, just casually dropping 22 points on 8 of 12 shooting, including 6 of 10 behind the three-point line. True that. And then he, averaged, he added in four rebounds and three assists. I mean, Pat was everywhere. Yep. Awesome to see him have a game like that. Absolutely awesome. Uh, Bobby Portis started in Giannis's place. It did give the Bucks um, mm. a size advantage. Um, Taylor, I'm not sure if I'm in that one. I used to be, but I think I got kicked out because the guy who runs it is a whiner, and I called him out on it. But he's anyway. a Nancy. <laughs> um, Bucks scored 46 points in the second quarter. It's a lot. Um, Brooke Lopez, uh, his bucket gave the Bucks a franchise high in the first half in playoffs with 79. They ended up with 81 points in the first half. Mm-hmm. That was that was worth it right there. Bucks were 12 of 21 on threes in the first half. 20 assists on 33 field goals in the first half and only three turnovers. Mm. They had a 28 to 16 rebounding advantage in the first half. That's fantastic. We spanked that ass. <laughs> Miami went on a 7 nothing run coming out of halftime. Chris Middleton responded by getting to the rims three times in a row. And I get why people like to get on Chris Middleton. He's a very polarizing player. But overall, as far as the series is concerned, he's been pretty solid. Um, Somebody, Bill said he saw a post where somebody said to get rid of Connaughton because he's inconsistent. I started to rip into the guy and he deleted the comment. That's yeah. Unfortunately, uh, the, the social media complaining is also inconsistent. It really is because unfortunately the praise is not equal to the negativity, at least by the same people, because there's just as many, you know, after game two, I'm sure a lot of us felt like Bucks in five. Uh, and after game three, I'm sure people were saying the Bucks were done, and that people are saying the Bucks are done. And even if you believe that that's the case, like what more could supporting the Bucks for another six hours possibly hurt you? If if you're living to complain, what more could six more hours possibly hurt to support them? I'm not going to say anything yet. Um, James asked when you get the chance. Wondering here your opinion about the end of the season awards. Who's going to win MVP? It's going to be Joel Embiid because it's it's quote unquote his turn. Yeah, that's the dumbest reason anybody's going to win an MVP, but he's going to, and it's going to be. Yep. Um, Bobby Portis didn't win Six Man of the Year because he made twenty two starts. Brogdon didn't make any starts, so I think that's why he won Six Man of the Year. Brooke Lopez finished a close second in Defensive Player of the Year, deserving to win it in my opinion. Even though he had like seven thousand more contested shots, but yeah, something around that. It might have been like six thousand nine hundred ninety-nine, but yeah, it was right around <laughs> seven thousand. 
Yeah. Um, Taylor asked if they have been playing Jay a lot more than he has this series. We'll get to that. I think when we're gonna we're gonna come up with some some thoughts on the team. Um, can't we feed Butler some old? Can't tell what emoji that is. Old shrimp. He's been a beast. His turn exactly. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I don't. I don't want to. You want to poison me. the guy? Jeez, Greg. <laughs> gas station sushi. <laughs> no, we want to. We want to beat guys when they're at their best. I agree. I agree. Um, Some slow shooting and some turnovers cut the 30-point lead in half, kind of made the Bucs sweat out the game for a minute or two. But uh, Drew Holiday stole a rebound from Zeller, made a cross-court pass to Bobby Portis for a three. That gave the Bucs 23 threes. That was the franchise record in the playoffs. Pat Connaughton hit number 24. So number 24 hit number 24, which totally worked. Uh, And then Pat hit another one. Made 25 threes. That tied an NBA playoff record. Last time it had been done was the 2016 Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, so Drew Holiday finished with 24 points, 11 assists, 5 rebounds, only 3 turnovers. Brooke Lopez had 25 points. Chris had 16, 6 rebounds, and 7 assists. Grayson Allen had 16 points. Bobby Portis had 13 and 15. Joe Ingles had 17 points. He was 6 of 7 for the field and 5 of 6 on threes. And four yeah, for talked four. A lot of trash. Talked a lot of trash. <laughs> um so let's go, let's go to game three. For me, it really started with the first quarter. It was a slow start, 21 points in the first quarter. Um, and I will say over the series, it's been, in my opinion, efficiency has been more important than turnovers. Okay. That's my opinion. And I, I think it's, it's fair founded in the four games that have been played. Uh, especially when you consider Miami is shooting 38% on wide open threes, which I think is a reasonable percentage. If you're wide open, you should make 40%. I think that's totally reasonable, but here's the thing. And I told Jake this before the show, I've tried to be mad about it. And I can't, like, I just can't get myself to be upset. But Miami is shooting 52% on contested threes in this series. What do you do with that? (laughs) I mean, I've seen people blaming officiating, and the way that the game was officiated at the end of game four was absolutely frustrating. But seeing 52% on contested threes, like, I don't know how you can do anything but tip your cap to it. Yeah, that's really the only thing left to do. <laughs> I mean, Miami was 16 of 33 on threes in game three and 15 of 17 from the free throw line. The yeah. Bucks had 22 assists and 18 turnovers, oh. um, which was a factor. But Miami won the rebounding battle 44 to 37. Um, yeah. what, what was it that stood out to you in game three? <clears throat> Stealing a little bit of my thunder, but the Bucks got out physicaled. Um, it looked like the Heat wanted it more, and the Bucks looked a step slow the entire night, in my opinion. Um, one thing they went away from was going in the paint. In game two, they had 52 points in the paint. In yeah. game three, 36 points in the paint. Uh, yeah. The turnovers, we already brought that up. 11 turnovers in game two, 18 turnovers in game three. So the Bucks were – and I don't mean this to sound harsh, but – you know, with great players, you have better expectations. With great teams, you have higher expectations. So I feel like the Bucs are a great team. They aren't playing up to the, to their standards. So the Bucs looked lazy. 
The Bucks looked <clears throat> slow, and they looked just not into the game. In, in my, my opinion, opinion, one of the factors as well as they – and I don't blame them for this because it's it's rare that you have a good shooting night like the Bucks did in game two. Um, but I think they tried to ride their shooting a little bit too much in game three, expecting yeah. the, the hot shooting to continue and not, like you said, going into the paint, which generates those open looks and helps you make those threes. So Listen. playing inside out, we'll talk about that again. Yeah, I mean, I mean, listen, man. The, the if there's one thing that we know under Coach Spo is the Heat are not gonna let you just just walk by and, and half-ass it. They're gonna make you earn every <clears throat> damn win. Eric and- Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Great coach. He is. He's probably top three, top five right now in the league. Off the top I have no problem saying top five without even thinking about it. I No problem either. Um, but... <sighs> Even when the Bucks swept the Heat a couple of years ago, and everybody was bringing it up for the series, we brought it mm-hmm. up. Everybody brought it up, right? We were prisoners of the moment in that in that particular moment, but mm-hmm. we earned victories. I mean, Chris Middleton basically had to make a game winner in Game One. Yep. We had to earn both victories on the road. Uh, those were those were hard fought wins. So the the, the Heat are not going to give you a game. They're going right. to fight. Spo has those guys ready to play. They're going to play up in your face defense. They're yep. going to try to force you into bad passes or awkward, hard, tough passes, turnovers, get get some run out, get some easy baskets. But yep. for us, you know, and, and to their credit, like you said, they're they're making a, a very high percentage of consistent threes right now. So when you add in the fact, like I said, they're going to play in your face defense, that's tough to overcome. That's, Obviously, that's how you have games where the, where the Charlotte Hornets score 138 points and beat you by 20. Yeah, I mean. Indiana Pacers are capable of doing the same thing. Right. They just right. don't do them often enough. Right, right. And you said this before the show, and we can use it to transition into game four, but you don't believe that Jimmy Butler is going to score 56 points again in Milwaukee, especially. 
bro, do you understand how superhuman that guy went? Like it was nuts. If the, I was, if somebody on the Bucks was doing it, like we'd probably be losing our shit. I would be flipping out. But I mean, even still watching it, and I'm mature enough now to take a step back and kind of a, just appreciate greatness, even in the moment, even against my own teams. So when I take a step back and I just look, watch that as a basketball fan, I'm just like, wow, like, like, wow. It's one of those things where, like, if you're scrolling on on like Facebook Reels or TikTok or whatever, right, and you see like the what's the biggest I'm him performance ever. Right, like Jimmy Butler in Game Four had an "I'm him" performance. He that, was, that was, it was absolutely insane. Yeah, that stadium was rocking. He was rocking. He said, "This is his," you know, and yeah, it was crazy. It was, it was, it was, it was crazy. The Bucks had had control of this game all night long um, until I don't, I don't even know how to explain what happened. I really, I truly don't. I'm at a loss for words of what happened, but. There definitely are positives to take away from this game. And you're not going to see either of us sit here right now. And we don't believe that the Milwaukee Bucks can win three straight games. We both firmly believe that the Bucks can run three off right now. Yep. Two of them at home, protect home court with your best player back, right? God forbid he has to leave another game early. Um, Let's knock on wood right now for that. And then – you know, like I just said, we we were controlling Game Four the entire night until Outside the last of six one minutes. stretch in the second quarter. I'll say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was, yeah. You're you're probably right on that, but um, the Bucks at that point of the game, and this was what my thought was, was the Bucks needed to rebound more effectively, and this is going to tie into some of the stuff we're going to talk about after. But getting a slow start in the second quarter needing to rebound more effectively, the game getting tied at 38. I literally wrote in my notes, um, Brooke Lopez did have a second chance uh, bucket that ended the the heat run. And then a, Gian, a Giannis layup followed the Bucks on a 7-0 run after that. Um, I literally wrote in my notes, the Bucks need to put asses on bodies. Yeah. And you texted that to me too. It's not enough to be good at judging rebounds and jumping to grab them. I agree. Everybody's coming at that ball to try to jump, to just swat it out of your hand, to hit the ball towards half court and have somebody on their team grab it. Everybody on Miami is playing that way. And that is a way that a smaller team can negate size. Yeah. And the Heat did it in game four. Yeah. So there needs to be a, a more concerted effort to box out. I agree with you because when you when you look at the rebounding, the Bucks had 16 mm-hmm. offensive rebounds. 16 of their 46 rebounds were offensive. We had 30 defensive rebounds. That is uncalled for when we have a size advantage like that. Yeah. Taylor said we got to be dogs again, and that's absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I mean, is there is there really anything else you want to say about Game Four? I mean, like we know Jimmy what happened. That's it. And and the Bucks missed shots. Like they just. The fourth quarter, the fourth quarter, Miami scored 41 points after scoring 28, 22, 28, 41 points in the fourth quarter. Oh man, this is so nasty. The Bucks were nine of 27 on field goals in the fourth quarter. That's 33%. Miami was 13 of 18. That is 72.2% from the field in the fourth quarter. 
And to make it more disgusting, you said they had 28 in the first quarter, right? Yeah. Jimmy had 22 of the 28 in the first quarter for the Heat. Think about that. One man yeah. is is destroying us. And for for the for the people saying put Giannis on him, he's scored against Giannis too. I'm sorry. Yeah, he scores against everybody. <laughs> he has. He literally has scored against everybody. <laughs> They're so, running one play. They're running one play. High pick and roll because we yeah. play drop coverage. And we're we're gonna get to a situation where we're gonna talk yeah. about something and I have a way to fix that. Okay. So let's we each have potentially three ways that the Bucks can can fix what's ailing them in the first four games of the series. And so let's start with that. Mm-hmm. And let's let's go to that. So you have your three. I have my three. What mm-hmm. do you want me to go first? Because this was your idea. So do you want me to yeah, go, go first ahead. and you can give your three? Yeah, okay. So my three are pretty simple. Um first one is to stay aggressive. Mm-hmm. Don't let the foot off the throat. I don't care how many points you're winning by. I don't care if it means running up the score. I literally do not care. It's the playoffs. Nobody's feelings are getting hurt in the playoffs. True. Number two is high quality shot selection. And I mean this in the strictest way possible. High quality shot selection. Okay. Because it got him into some trouble at the end of game four. Um, Drew Holiday got some late shot clock situations where Kyle Lowry was able to get some strips because he knew Drew Holiday had to put the shot up. It happened at least twice. Mm-hmm. And my last one is points in the paint. Because Jake, you perfectly alluded to it from games two to game three, where game two, 50, was it 52 points in the paint? Mm-hmm. Game three was 36 mm-hmm. points in the paint. And this is what built their lead in game four was Giannis running pick and roll with Brooke Lopez and Giannis putting on a masterclass with his passing. That's what built the lead for the Bucks. Pounding the ball in the paint with Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis in game two is what created open looks for everybody else. I'm not saying all of the 25 threes the Bucks made in game two came because they got points in the paint early, but that does generate the thought process in Miami's head saying the Bucks are scoring at us in the paint. We have to get back and recover to the paint. That's what allows the Bucks to have that extra step of space to get those three-pointers off. So mm-hmm. it needs to be an inside-out mentality for the Bucks, not an outside-in. That's my third way to fix the Bucks. All right. So one of mine is pretty much the same as yours. And my, mine is push the pace on offense and defense, right? Mm. And um, one way that you do that is you you crash the offensive boards. We talked about one of the improvements mm-hmm. this year was crashing the offensive boards. Now I wrote down the offensive rebounds for every game. Game one, eight. Uh, game two, nine, game three, eight, game four, 16. So yep. you you tell the guys to go go crash the offensive boards. Basically what you're saying is we want high energy, high intensity, right? Mm. So when you think of high energy, high intensity, who's the who's one of the first players that should come to your mind on this Milwaukee Bucks team? Javon Carter. Oh, <laughs> I like that too. Javon Carter, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get crazy here, but please just hear me out. I'm not mad at just Chris, okay? I'm also mad at Drew. So this is one way that I'm going to fix both of them with one move. I enter Javon Carter into the starting lineup. He immediately ups the intensity on defense. You allow him to pick up full court, just like he has done all season long. You want a dog in the fucking court? 
I'm gonna get intense now. I'm so sorry. You want a dog on the court? You want to up the intensity? You put your you put your biggest dog on the court, right? The biggest dog we got is Javon Carter. He may he may be the shortest dog, but he's the biggest dog in my opinion. The biggest heart. I see that. You put him in the starting lineup. That moves Chris to the bench. Chris and Bobby Portis off the bench will absolutely feast. Chris Middleton was hooping off the bench. He'd be the best bench player in the playoffs. Not even, not even second to nobody, right? Yeah. The best bench player in the playoffs would be Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton and Bobby kill the second units. It allows for runs to not go crazy when Giannis and Drew go to the bench. Also, by putting Javon on the floor with, with Drew, you have two, you have another ball handler with Drew. So now you have those two and Giannis's ball handlers. Matters how much bite is in the dog. Hey, that's true. And then my third thing is. Please throw different looks at Jimmy. And I know that we're going to talk about a, a different situation here, but please throw different looks at him. You cannot allow us to keep going under screens. You cannot mm-hmm. allow us to keep playing drop coverage. Jimmy's too good. to He's going yeah. to figure that out. Clearly, yeah. he had 50 goddamn six points. Yeah. He's going to figure that out. He's been eating yeah. us. Right? So, so what, in your opinion, is the way to stop Jimmy Butler? And that's a perfect transition. You got, like I said, you got to throw different looks. Sometimes full court pressure him, make mm-hmm. him work to bring the damn ball up. Right when when he gets the ball, he likes that elbow elbow extended. Right, that that's a term yeah. in basketball, elbow extended. I think when Jimmy gets below the free throw line on the wing, we double him, force him to be yep. a playmaker. You yep. force Kevin Love to make those shots. Right, Kevin Love's not going to shoot a hundred percent. And, yes, he's right. going to make some backbreaker threes every once in a while. He's a professional right. and a so very good Caleb, one at that. So will Caleb Martin and Max Struess. And, so, and they will as well. But you got you cannot let Jimmy score 22 of 28 in the first quarter. Yeah. Slowing him down in the first quarter has been a problem this series. He has mm-hmm. absolutely feasted in the first quarter. Yeah. I think the first quarter of the night, we throw the goddamn kitchen sink at this guy. Double yeah. him when he, gets, when he gets on the wing. Full court pressure. Um go over screens, force him to finish at the rim, and do not fall for that stupid little pump fake in the paint. Yeah. You know what was the most annoying thing to me, and we talk about this all the time, is when when they don't call things both ways, right? Drew mm-hmm. Holiday literally had a layup where his foot got tangled with Bam Adebayo, fell to the floor, missed the layup. No call. I'm like, yeah. alright, whatever. Playoffs. It is what it is, right? Hands off. Same possession. Jimmy comes down the floor falls, and they give him an and one. The worst and one I think I've ever seen in the playoffs is when <laughs> Joe Ingles clinches butt cheeks and Jimmy Butler runs around him and flails up the shot and goes off the board. And I'm like, oh, really? Really? That that's, that's what we're doing today, right? Do not fall for the pump fake. Pressure him full court. Just make the man work, okay? He looked literally exhausted in the first quarter of game four, and then he went berserk in the fourth quarter. I don't understand how that happens. Yeah, um, I think the the ref and Taylor said the refs have been ridiculous. And it's not – I'm not saying that officiating is the reason we've lost this, you know, this uh, series lead potentially. Agreed, agreed. Um, but the sixth foul on Chris Middleton should not have been a, a, a block. No, that was terrible. For Giannis to get called for a charge in the first quarter, for Max Struess leaning into him and and getting a charge called on Giannis, and then, like you said, the consistency in the fourth quarter for Chris Middleton to be in that same position 
and for him to take the hit and then be called for a block, that's to me what's more frustrating than six than Chris Middleton getting his sixth foul. I agree with that. A lack of consistency by you know both plays uh, going in Miami's favor. Yeah, I agree. So and as far as stopping Jimmy Butler, doubling him is, in my opinion, uh, one way to slow him down. Now, I'm going to throw a monkey wrench out there, and I think it's going to be potentially somewhat of a hot take, but we need Wesley Matthews healthy. Yeah. The Bucks, if Wesley Matthews is at all close to playing, we need Wesley Matthews. I think so far he only played game one, but he has been the best one-on-one defender for Jimmy Butler. He might have been our best one-on-one defender in the, the season. Him, him and Drew are 1A, 1B, in my opinion. Yeah. Wes has um, one job, I mean, play defense, right? Wes, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, Wesley Matthews kind of owns DeMar DeRozan. Oh, he does, 100%. So, I think as far as stopping Jimmy Butler goes, I think the Bucks truly need Wesley Matthews healthy. I'm with that. Um, Taylor did ask um, potentially more Jay Crowder. He had I'm a not saying... rough game one. Yeah. And hasn't played a lot since then. Um, I just personally, I don't, I don't know. It's not that he's not the guy to stop Jimmy Butler. I feel like he's just a little bit too big and not quite like he's got the dog in him for sure. Right. But I think Jimmy Butler is too quick for Jay Crowder, I guess is what I'm seeing. Yeah. I'm I'm reading James' comment. He yeah. said, "I agree." Basically, that... saying that Giannis, because of his play style, gets charges called on him more. Yeah, but at that point, you're assuming that it's a charge, and you're not refing the game. You're you're assuming. Is is that the way that you ref? Uh, I sure hope not. Like I that that's like me. Like that's like you know me and Tyler were talking you know, before the game. You know, game four. We're like. Man, with Giannis back, I fully, you know, I assume that we're going to win. You you can't do that. Uh-huh. We, we can assume all day. That doesn't make it true. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Like, just because Giannis goes to the rim doesn't mean that every time he goes to the rim and somebody gets knocked over, it's a charge. Right. Max Struess was leaning into him. That was a block. Right. Yep. Uh, Taylor said not for Jimmy, but just overall. Honestly, overall, like, Jay Crowder is just not really the best matchup for Miami because Miami is a smaller team. Yeah, I like we think... need we needed Jay Crowder for uh, we needed Jay Crowder for the Celtics and potentially the Cavaliers. They're bigger teams. Miami's a small team. Like it's Bam, Kevin Love, and they they put in Cody Zeller in a game in the playoffs on purpose. Yeah. Other than that, it's Kevin Love and Bam Adebayo. They have no other bigs. Yeah, and. I'm gonna say I'm, I'm gonna add a bonus way in to fix the Bucks. If you are getting guarded by either Kevin Love, who yes at times has the ability to stop a dribble drive, or Duncan Robinson, and you are not driving to the rim, you're sitting your ass next to me. That's what I would say if I was Coach Bud. Duncan um, Robinson doesn't stop a freaking nosebleed. Okay. And also, if Gabe, if Gabe Vincent is guarding Chris Middleton, give the ball to Chris Middleton. I and I don't want to see. I don't understand why Bud does this every once in a while. His rotations are, are so funky sometimes. I'm okay with with putting Pat in the game and giving him playing time. I'm okay with that. I am. Mm-hmm. But 
And times he takes out Grayson after Grayson is one of the few people creating with his dribble drive. And it's just like, it's, it's bad timing in my opinion. Uh, Justin and Brittany, welcome in. Justin's got the jokes right away for Kevin Love. <laughs> for men. Kevin Love. <laughs> uh, we, we can say anything we want about Kevin Love, but he's been hitting shots. But he, he has no chance of guarding anybody out on the perimeter. Let's just be honest. And there was, there was actually a play that really, you know, irked me from, from the last game. It was in the first quarter. Drew Holiday who is the master at finishing in the paint. One of the best finishers for a point guard. Super strong, super great body control, finished with both hands, right? Yep. We've talked about his ability to finish with the left all season long. Last yep. couple of years, to be completely honest with you. Yep. He drives left. He has Kyle Lowry, 5'10", Kyle Lowry, under the basket. And instead of just going up for a lefty layup, decides to throw it out for Grayson Allen. Now, credit to him, great read, because Grayson Allen was wide open. like. I could have had a chance to at least hit the rim on that three-point attempt if I was as wide open as Grayson Allen, right? Uh -huh. But no, you are Drew Holiday. You are Drew freaking Holiday. You are going to make an all-NBA team this year. You finish the layup. You prove your point. I want more aggressiveness out of this entire team, top to bottom. Coaching staff, everybody. Everybody needs to be in tune. We have no more room for error, right? Yep. So it, it's go time. It, it's, it's now or never. So <clears throat> last couple things on the team before I talk uh, about about basically fandom. Yes. Um, parallels that I've noticed um, for the Bucks specifically um, and just for the series, uh, the higher three-point shooting team has won all four games. Yep. The better rebounding team has won three out of the four games. The Bucks did out-rebound the Heat by one in game one. Efficiency has mattered more than turnovers. But even with all that, the series is not over. True. Again, this, this brings me back to the point of even if you believe that it's over and you want to bitch and complain that the season's over and the Bucks squandered an opportunity, you know, whatever it be, what what can it possibly hurt to delay that complaining until tomorrow morning? Or until Saturday morning, or until next Monday morning. I mean, what what could it possibly hurt you? You have you will have the entire off season to complain if that's really what you're waiting to do. Leave everybody else alone if that's what you want to do, and then come in and come back when the the Bucks are eliminated if it happens. Don't talk about it before we're even there. I agree. It's not over until somebody wins four games. It is the first now, four. Not first to three. Here's the thing. And, you know, it's, uh, I want to say 13% is what people are saying that the the chances are that the Bucks win the series. It's 13%. Uh, what were we at for the Packers making the playoffs? It was like 2%, I believe. It was like, yeah. One or two. And they were like a quarter away from being there. Yeah, they literally controlled their own destiny. <laughs> yes. Like, these things can happen. We literally had a 3% chance that Miami would win game four and they did it. The low percentage things happen. They do. Now here's the thing. Two of the three games, like Jake mentioned, are at home mm -hmm. and the Bucks had winning streaks of three or more games seven times this season, 
Seven times this year, the Bucs won three or more games straight, including 9-0 and to start the season and a 16-game win streak from the end of January to the beginning of March. Mm-hmm. Um, Taylor said he thinks it was 6% for the Packers. Isaac said Bucks in 6%. Hey, I'm totally down to roll with that if that's what the percentage ends up being. Bro, if that's but, a thing, we can make that a hashtag. I'd be fired. I'm totally on board with that. <laughs> uh, Drake said it's not over to the last buzzer. Be fierce and be a beast. Make the Celtics squirm that we're coming for them. And we'll get there. We're just At this point, we're taking it one game, one series, one game at a time. And I looked it up. I looked up a study from the National Institute of Health, and they did a study on the perceptions of playing in elimination games. They studied 1,930 elimination games in the playoffs in the NBA. Damn. In uh, game, let's see, game. Here he goes. Game fives. Game fives, Teams, uh, the home team has won 75.3% of games. Okay. Game sixes, the home team has won 54.6% of games. So if the Bucks win tonight, game six is going to be in Miami on Friday night. You're you're essentially looking at a 54% that's a little over a coin flip. Now, if Miami loses that game and we're coming back to Milwaukee for a game seven, that's when the squirming starts for Miami because the home team wins game seven 81.8% of the time. If the Bucks get this to Game Seven, they're winning this series. Yes, they get if they they got to win tonight, and we're going to take it game by game. Right. I'm not right. trying to get ahead of myself. Right, they got to win tonight, take care of business, protect home court. Right, right. Game Six is the one where you're looking at, and I did the same thing with the Packers. Right, when I was looking at the schedule, I was mm-hmm. like, that Miami game is the one. That Miami game is the one that's really going to determine our season. Right, when we were going down the stretch, played yep. my played, you know, we're talking Miami. Wow, shocker. Um, we played Miami on Christmas day. That was a great, exciting game that we ended up winning, comeback win, whatever you want to say. But that game really determined if we controlled our own destiny. And obviously we won that game and whatever, but that game six is the one that I, that's really going to determine this. Um, yeah, you got to go game by game. And I agree with that, but, and yes, there's a chance, Steve. There's always a chance. And James doesn't play every game like it's game seven. Basically, what I wrote was that you're facing elimination. There's nowhere to retreat. There's no, oh, we'll get them back tomorrow. At this point, it is a burn the boats situation. There's nowhere to go. And it's not obviously real life burning the boats. Like, you know, you're not going to drown if the enemy pushes you back. But you'll go home. You'll be eliminated. That's the reality. And now this same study that I just referenced also did a study on golfers. Now, this is a study on loss aversion. And the study of 2.5 million putts. This is a gigantic study. 2.5 million putts. The study showed that golfers tried harder to avoid bogey than they did to make birdie. That actually makes sense in my brain. That makes sense in my brain. Because if you miss birdie, you have par to lean on. If you miss bogey, you're going double bogey. And that hurts the soul. So, yeah, making the par to avoid the bogey 
players were trying harder to avoid the bogey than they were to make the birdie. And I'm, and that's not to say that guys aren't trying to make birdies and that's the Bucks weren't trying to win this series in four games, five games, six games, seven games, whatever it may be. But right. loss aversion is a real thing. Now, I I want to relate this to people. So it's there's going to be some vulnerability involved in this next part. But I'm going to be real and I'm going to say that if you declared this series over before it's actually over, like I, regardless of what happens in game five, six, seven, should any of them happen, like game five is obviously happening, but should game six and seven even be necessary? If you declare the series over before it's over, you have no guts. I'm sorry. I'm with and here's the thing. And I know this phrase has been said by people who have won bigger championships than I have, but if you have no guts, you have you're not going to get any glory from it. There's there's never been a scenario where a guy has gone into a situation or a sports team or life or whatever it's going to be timid and being like, "Oh, I hope we win." and has come out at the very tip top of whatever it is that you're doing. I don't care if it's sports, life, jobs, relationships, I don't care what it is if you're going into it with no guts, no intestinal fortitude, like my college basketball coach used to say, he used to bring up intestinal fortitude. If you have none, you don't deserve to win. And I'm this is going to sound super fucking harsh, but I don't want you in my fan base. Yeah, I'm sick and tired of those weak-ass names too, bro. I'm sorry. Like, I'm, I'm genuinely sorry to say that and to be that like harsh to the point, but... If you are literally in the business of declaring things over before they are over, I don't want to associate with you. I don't care how hopeless it feels, how unlikely the odds seem. It is literally not over until it is over. Every single outcome that can possibly happen in sports will eventually happen. They will. They will happen. It doesn't matter what the chances are. It's going to happen. I don't care if it's a 13% chance to win a series when you're down 3-1. I don't care that only 19 teams out of 70 times have come back to win 3-1 series. We saw it happen in the finals less than a decade ago at the biggest stage in basketball. Against one of the greatest teams of all time. A total dynasty of a team. (laughs) These things will happen. So my question is, why not now? Why not the Bucs? Dude, this is what I'm going to ask. Do the Bucks have the best player in the world, yes or no? Yes. We have way higher than a 13% chance then. We have two of the three at home. We have the best fucking player in the world. We still have one of the best two-way point guards in the league. We still have one of the best shot makers in the league. We still have Brooke Lopez, who is second in defensive player of the year. We have a, a Brooke Lopez who can go down and give you 30. We have Brooke Lopez, a guy that can go give you nine blocks. We have Giannis, a guy that can score 50, had grabbed 20 rebounds, 10 assists. We have a great bench. We have a great locker room. And like I said, two of the three are at home. This series is not over. And I tell you what, man, you you fired me up by saying that you don't want them in our fan base. Dude, you know how many people, you know, just just Packers fans in general, whether – they talk sideways about Rodgers. They talk sideways about Jordan Love. Or they're talking about this, talking about that, talking about Goot. 
talking about everything that they they have no business talking about, quite frankly, because because they're such weak minded people. You know how many people I, I have got to hate me in my own fan base because I'm just sick and tired of them being fans of the same teams as me. Yeah, because they're and, weak. I, I, I don't want thing. people to think that we're weak. And here's the thing <clears throat> is that timidity. It's not ever going to be prosperous for it. Um, and here's the thing, like you can be knowledgeable about the subject, but there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. And I, I feel that that's something that Jake and I are trying to bridge the gap to. And Brittany loyalty is totally, totally a perfect aspect of this because, and I'm going to ask Jake a question about this, like in a, in a minute here, if the Bucks lose tonight, are you going to stop being a fan of the Bucks? That that is like the quickest answer I can give is no, absolutely not. No. I'm a Bucks fan. I was born a Bucks fan. I'm gonna yeah. die a Bucks fan. My kids are Bucks fans. I've made my girlfriend into a gigantic Bucks fan. She didn't even know what fucking basketball was. She won't admit that, but she didn't know what basketball was. She didn't know how it worked. She didn't even know how long the quarters were. Like, yes, like I Bucks get that now. there would be disappointment involved, but nobody's gonna quit being a fan. Yeah, and if and if you are like, I'm not sorry to see you go. Sorry. But, and Justin said, as the fat lady sung, she has not. Uh, James said, win or lose situations like this is what you want to be able to look back at the games, matches, series, knowing you gave it your all at the end. And that's that's my first that's my first question for fans. And I'm going to pose the question to Jake because Jake and I are the ones on the show. Is do you want the emotions of your past in your future? And this this is a nice question because you can ask this in any aspect of life. Do you want the emotions of your past in your future? Would you be proud of the way you reacted after games one through four? If the bucks win games five through seven, would you be proud of the way that you reacted? I can say that if, if the answer is yes, then that's great. If the answer is maybe, maybe not, you know, that there might be something to work on there. But if your answer is no, that if the Bucks won games five, six, and seven, and you just think that because you're on social media and people aren't going to be checking your receipts that you can continue to act that way, you're probably a miserable person. I'm sorry. Yeah. And it's something that I would really encourage people to think about. Would you be proud of the emotions you had and the things that you posted after game four if the Bucks won games five through seven? Even if they don't, would would you want the emotions that you felt from being disappointed and, you know, not having that turn into motivation, which, you know, which can be a good thing. That's why guys like Stefan Diggs watched the Chiefs celebrate their AFC championship two years ago. Mm-hmm. He watched, he used that disappointment, turned into motivation to work harder. Mm-hmm. But that's not what social media is. It's not. It's a, it's a cesspool of negativity. So I'll pose the question to you. Do you want the emotions of your past in your future? If I was younger, my answer would be no. But now that I've matured, I could tell you that I treat every single game the same. And Tyler told me to be real today. So in this moment, I'm just going to be Jake Net, The Jake Net that Tyler has known for 16 years of his life. I treat every single game the same, whether we win or lose. Every game that I watch, now I get up super early for work. So 
Whether we win or lose, I do the same thing. This is what I do. If we win, I turn the TV off. Sometimes the, during the when the clock's running out. Sometimes immediately after the game's over. If we lose, same exact thing. Now, if we win, I allow myself to feel that happiness for 30 seconds, 60 seconds maybe. I'm not really putting a timer on it. After that, I realize that I have to go to bed, right? So I walk up to my room. I see my daughter. I see my girlfriend. I give them a kiss. I go to bed. I wake up the next morning and I still have to go to work, right? Because I realize that I still got bills to pay. Now, if we lose, I physically allow myself because I want to be so emotionally mature that nothing bothers me. I want to be in 100% control of how I feel because I feel like that's the most mature way to go about life. I don't want what somebody says about me to control me. And I hope one day that I could teach my kids this too. Now, if we lose, I shut the game off. I allow myself to feel that pain. Now, sometimes there's naughty things said in my head, but I allow myself to feel that pain of a loss. But I don't, I don't allow it to drag in to the, to the next 60 seconds of my life. So 60 seconds, I've, I let myself feel that pain. Again, I walk up to my room. I see my daughter and my girlfriend. And I'm not going to lie to you. I'm happy again. When I see them, I'm just happy. Again, I give them a kiss and I go to bed, right? I wake up for work the next morning because, again, I have bills to pay. So either way, I allow myself 30 seconds, 60 seconds to live in that moment, whatever that moment is, if it's a loss, if it's a win, I allow myself to feel those emotions and then I move on. And that's what I think everybody should do. I'm not saying I'm perfect or I'm right, but I'm telling you a lot of people would be better off with this approach than immediately running to social media and being like, fire this guy, trade this guy. This team has has blown everything. They've completely botched this season. No, they have not. Again, I told you this, Tyler. Two weeks ago, you were not saying that. After game two, you were not saying that. So because we lost two games in a row in the playoffs, now the season is botched. And this takes me back to another conversation we had, Tyler. Only one team wins the title. One team. That could be the Lakers this year with the way they look right now. That could be the Celtics. The Celtics are going to beat the Hawks. They could easily get past the 76ers. And if the Milwaukee Bucks are not in it, there's nobody stopping the Celtics. James is probably really happy to hear that. Yeah, he Only said if it's a championship, he's getting drunk and partying. If it's a championship, that's when you that's the time you allow the emotion to overflow. Because that's the pinnacle. But yeah. even yeah. when the Bucks win the championship, you still got to go to work the next day unless yeah. you take a vacation day. But that's, you know, you still got responsibility there. Right, right. And I guess my last point I'm going to say is you have you have responsibilities that aren't going to stop, right? And a lot of people do this. I'm getting caught in mouth because I'm getting so fired up. But a lot of people do this with with individual sports players. Rodgers has been one been the most popular one for for the last couple of years with Green Bay. People have a very hard time separating the player from the person, right? And people have a very hard time separating the emotions of sports from the emotions of real life, which is why that super sad stat, which I am not proud that our fan base is attached to, of of abuse after Packers losses. I'm not proud of that. That's not funny to me. I don't find that funny that people, people's wives get beat up because the Packers gave up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter and blew a lead. That's not funny. Or the fact that 
the people whose NFL teams lose on Sundays that on Mondays they consume on average 10% more calories on Monday. Th- that's not funny either. You're, you're literally physically hurting yourself because of, because of a team. And I love my teams too. Don't get me wrong. Right. I argue, I argue with my own girlfriend about my teams because sometimes <laughs> she's uneducated and she doesn't know what she's talking about. And then she's like, you're my smart sports guy. And then she argues with me. That's a long story. That's a story for a different day. But <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is you still have to be a person at the end of the right. day. And you can separate those emotions of being mad, which is exactly right. why I allow myself to feel that pain or that happiness. And I choose to move on. So I'm going to say two things before I ask my next question. And the first one is that the way that Jake and I are approaching this, and it's, it's a tough thing to, to be the first people doing this because I do believe that Jake and I are the first people to try to combine sports analysis and mental health. It is a complete, it's a complete (laughs) new frontier of sports analysis and that we are trying to, have these parallels from sports analysis to life. It's 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 a completely new concept that Jake and I don't even fully understand because it's really never been done. Yeah. And it's not prevalent. It's way more popular to go on ESPN and argue with the person across the counter from you. Yeah. Now, the second thing that I want to say and it's going to be to give you a compliment, Jake, is that I'm proud of you for saying the sentence that you want to be emotionally mature enough to not let the outcome affect your mindset, your emotions. If, if, you, are, if you have the ability to transcend the emotion of the moment of, of the outcome, like that's the goal. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bryant is usually pretty good about saying this on Sundays is that he doesn't take his notes on Sunday about the pack. Um, He takes them. Usually he starts on Mondays when the emotion of the game has passed because it's, it's tough to deal with the emotions of that moment. So Bryant, he waits until the next day. Um, Steve said attitude is a choice and that's absolutely true. Like you, you get to choose. And this is another quote that I've heard and I've heard it from tons of sources, whether it be books, podcasts, people, whatever. Uh, Steve Harvey has said it. Life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react. Um, my dad said, it's, I'm always distraught after the final game of a season, if it isn't a win, but the next day it's another team's turn in the beginning of the next year. Let's get this, this time. And that's the perfect thing, especially with us being a, a four team, five sport covering show mm-hmm. that tomorrow we're still going to, we're still going to be looking forward to the Brewers series of the angels. If the Bucks lose, we're still going to be streaming the draft tomorrow night. Yep. Um, Taylor, we appreciate it. Taylor said he's grateful to have us and the guys are doing amazing things. And we have more stuff coming up in May, which we're really excited about. Uh, Greg said he'll be 68 on Tuesday. He's gotten better with Packers losses, but have yet to hold back when UW loses those feelings. Stay with me. Um, Brittany said, yay, brew crew. Um, Greg likes my dad's take. He said, and then also said attitude is the number one character trait in life. And yeah, and that's, that's the thing. It's, it's seasons. You know, it's not it's not the end of the world. It's not like the Bucks lose their franchise if they lose as an as a one seed to an eight seed. 
which mm-hmm. wouldn't be the first time that that's ever happened either. Right. Tim Duncan, the greatest power forward ever, lost as a one seed right. to an eight seed. Um, so this is my next thing, and this is a directly re- like um, a direct relation to social media. And the point is you get out what you put in. So the question is, what are you putting in? <clears throat> Jake and I are on camera putting in what we think. And that's what we're going to get back from game five, game six and game seven, if they end up happening. But we are, we are trying to put in level headedness and positivity and, you know, the world not coming to an end. If it happens also not, you know, not declaring things over before they're over, not giving up before it's, it's actually over, you know, having the guts to stick with it facing elimination if and jake said this if your first thought after a loss is to run to social media to be the first one to complain that's what you're putting in what do you think you're going to get out more people like you it's more negativity if you're putting in negativity you're going to get negativity in return so jake and i are trying to put positivity out and i'm i'm really proud of this comment section I truly am proud of this entire comment section. I was going to say that, something when you get done here. That all, <laughs> everything that we've said over the last 15 minutes, that people feel similarly and that we can actually affect people's mindsets that way. Mm-hmm. That makes me feel good. That mm-hmm. makes me feel that no matter what happens tonight, that I've actually made a difference in the grand scheme of the world in a net good way. Mm-hmm. That it's, it's been a struggle at points in my life, but honestly, like the way that these comments are going and the way that I'm feeling from the discussion that we're having is it, it makes me proud of myself, which has been a hard thing for me to, for for me to admit and do in my life. Well, I'm going to take over for a second. First of all, I'm proud of you. I know your kids are proud of you. So you should always feel proud of yourself when you wake up every day, buddy. You've come a long way, man. Um, Taylor said he's proud of us. He said it again. Taylor, I'm going to say something to you guys. Everybody in the comments, people that have commented on our show a year ago, everybody that's come here for the positive attitude that that we reinforce, I'm proud of you guys. I'm proud of the – I'm going to say it's not big enough. Not yet. It will be one day. But for right now, I'm still going to say I'm proud of the community that Tyler and I have built. I'm proud of of the way that you guys have – have taken this stance that we are taking. We're, we're, we're going on on a limb here and we're trying to combine, you know, mental health with, with sports and we're, we're putting them together so everybody can be happier overall. Right. And I'm proud of of the people in this comment section. Also, I want people to know that I'm not, I'm not dogging my girlfriend. I want, I want to clear that up. (laughs) My girl, my girlfriend is smart in a lot of ways that I'm not smart. And she helps me out way more than she realizes with a lot, lot of stuff that she doesn't even realize that she helps me with, but she makes my life really easy. And I'm proud of her too. She doesn't, she probably, I probably don't tell her that enough. I'm realizing this live on camera on Wisco <laughs> fanatics that I don't tell my girlfriend I'm proud of her enough. And that kind of hurts my feelings a little bit, but you know, I, I'm proud of all of you. I'm proud of my girlfriend. I'm proud of, of myself as well. I'm proud of Tyler. No matter what happens, people, 
we're still Wisconsin sports fans. And, you know, it, like, like they say, it, it's free to be nice. It's free to be a good person. It's easy. So let's just be nice and let's just help each other out. Right. Brittany, do not tell her I said any of that. You got that? <laughs> I don't She's need her knowing I'm on mission. right now. <laughs> um, some fans might think that Bucks players, you know, are are taking it, taking the the stakes lightly. Um, Steve said, unfortunately, negativity is usually met with more negativity, and that's why that's part of why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, I know I've put this stat out there before that the average is eight to nine negative posts per positive one. That's a huge ratio. That's it's disgusting. Yeah, I wish it was eight to nine in the other direction. I agree. Um, it's. I I liked your your take about wanting to have the emotional maturity to not let it affect you, to not let it affect your the, the outcome affect your emotions. Uh, I wanted to go back up to a comment that Brittany made. She said it could be a great comeback story or a learning experience. Either way, it can be a positive outcome, and that's true. And I know it's people will will call it like a moral victory or. Yep. Or sunshines and rainbows, like Jake and I have heard all that shit. Mm. We've heard everything you can possibly think of for remaining positive in negative situations that people have said they've said them to us. And that's not going to make us stop doing what we're doing. And it's it's a situation where game four, if the Bucks lose four to one to Miami, we're not going to blame it on officiating. We're not going to blame it on Giannis being out for two and three quarter games. Mm-hmm. And I think this is something that doesn't get enough, you know, um, perception is the Miami heat play a factor in this. So if it comes to a situation where Miami comes out and they just blow the doors off and whatever run they end up making, like there's respect to be there. And Steve is, Steve's getting ahead of me and he's going exactly where I'm going. And I'm I'm just gonna put it up here because Steve Steve asks great questions and Steve's been Steve's been great all all Packers season and he's asked us a lot of questions yeah. during the draft series so I'm I'm gonna give Steve some credit here. Steve, Steve said better be with us tomorrow. Is, by the way, before you yeah. get into this, Steve said without losses the wins will never feel as sweet and that's that's a true thing and and thankfully we can translate this to life as well. Is if you if you never have adversity. Like, how will you ever learn to appreciate your wins in life? Right. <laughs> I'm just going to put Taylor's comment on you next because it's how we learn and grow. That's the thing is if you can turn, let, let's, I don't want this to be the, the, the situation, but if the Bucks lose tonight, if these players turn this from disappointment to motivation, can we as Bucks fans do the same thing? It's, a, it's an open question, and I'll, I'll let you I'll let you answer it in the way that you're thinking about it. But if if the Bucks lose, can we turn that disappointment into motivation? Somehow, yeah, absolutely. I believe that's how athletes run in their head is they they take disappointment and they use it as motivation. You uh-huh. literally used an example before of um, Stefan Diggs. Diggs using using disappointment as motivation. I mean, we just traded. Uh, yeah, we we just traded one of the best players in our franchise history, in my opinion, the best player in our franchise history, Aaron Rodgers. 
he used the disappointment of not being the first overall pick for 15 fucking years. <laughs> and then he and then he was just like, oh, they don't like me? Oh, they drafted another quarterback? He used that to win back-to-back MVPs. Like, athletes literally use any excuse they can. Any, anything, even if it's man-made disappointment, they use anything as motivation. Giannis does that. Yeah. yeah. He's talked yeah. about it. He yeah. makes yeah. stuff up to motivate. Giannis, Giannis literally, I mean, everybody's heard the story a million times at this point, right? Giannis and Thanasis had to share shoes. They still use that same motivation, and that that's nothing that they did wrong, but, like, that's just the way that they brought up. And you hear a million stories of of kids growing up and and you know they don't they don't know their mom or dad and like they they made it out of the hood and like players use that stuff as the chip on their shoulder to be great. So ah there's always next year, baby. And I hate that line. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> that line that line hurts. <laughs> but right. I, do, that's, that's, I, think I do I do love where what Brady said before comes from is that we know if the Bucks don't win tonight. We don't get to watch them play again until, you know, summer league. And that's not obviously going to be everybody. And we don't get to watch them again until the preseason. That's not going to be everybody. And then we have to wait until the end of October to watch the Bucks more. And, and I understand that it is disappointing. It's a bummer having to wait, you know, six months to watch another Bucks basketball game, but it's, I don't know. I don't want to use the always next year, but um, Steve said it made, uh, Rogers made it a narrative that he was on an underdog uh, first round pick. I was going to say second pick at recess. Somebody's going to pay. <laughs> there's there's things to be motivated, and there's there's a lot of trash talk on social media. And I know it'll happen if the Bucks lose. That Celtics fans are going to be in the Bucks comment sections. Like it's going to happen. Uh, Heat fans will do the same thing. If we can use that as motivation, motivation to be obviously the bigger man to be better, you know, better people than to, to do the kicking while people are down, but getting back to the sportsmanship of shaking hands after a game type thing, uh, I think is, is the more mature approach. Um, Greg said this win loss perspective is very critical in our culture right now. Some young people rarely experience setbacks. So when adversity occurs, they lacked the timerity to deal with it. Let, let me answer that. Let me answer that. I 100% agree with that. One, I'm not going to lie. I feel like my dad tried to protect me from everything. Now, he he allowed me to to feel things. But I'm now, you know, that's why I'm so big on the emotional um, maturity thing. Because I want my kids to be able to deal with that stuff. And I feel like in this world today, in this everybody gets a participation trophy world that we live in today. Yeah. This is going to be a discussion for a very long time. These kids are overprotected. They do not know how to to do it. During COVID, they were giving kids their driver's license, and they didn't even take the fucking test, dude. <laughs> like, that is how protected these kids are today. So when when Greg says a comment like this about win losses and, and how to deal with stuff, that is 100% the culture in this country, and it has got to freaking stop. We've we have to stop overprotecting kids. We've talked about it, about putting the the self-esteem into, into the journey, into the work ethic, and mm-hmm. not into the, into the outcome. Obviously, you want to be the one at the end of the season holding up the trophy. Right. But 
if you're not, and this is where Jake brought up that, you know, I say that there's only one champ, one team wins a championship every season. It does not mean that everything that every other team did meant nothing. Right. That is so far from the truth. It's ridiculous. Because it's building blocks for all those players. Every single player that gets eliminated from the playoffs is going to say, I'm going to use it and I'm going to try to be better next year. Yep. And they're not going to start in October when the fans are going to start watching stuff again. They're starting tomorrow. We should be the same. I mean, mean, Giannis Giannis could use a a mid-range, 10 to 15 feet, a little turnaround J. Let's not kid ourselves about that. Giannis is not a perfect Mm -hmm. player. Doesn't right. mean he's not the best. Doesn't mean he's not right. the most dominant right now. But right. if Giannis gets a turnaround, Jay, I promise you, he's definitely the best, the most dominant, and he's unstoppable at that point. That is the third superlative that you put on top of Giannis. Unstoppable. Because if he has right. a turnaround, Jay, you better just go talk to God before the game because <laughs> that's all you got left. <laughs> and we've we've put this out there too that. Um, we want to normalize giving respect to our opponents when it's deserved. Obviously, if we get into a situation where like Miami wins on a last second free throw, that was a foul where there was no contact, but they can't review it by some, you know, technicality or something like that. And that's the way it ends. Like there's other things that have led to this point. Agreed. So, you know, we've, we've been the best team for the regular season. We've built on that. We're at this position now where the back's against the wall and it's time to face the elimination game. Regardless of what happens, win or lose, I would just ask those watching and listening to find a way to use it to be a better fan and a better person tomorrow. Well said, buddy. Um, I don't know. Is If there's anything else that you want to say, I mean... Bucks and seven, baby. That's all I got. Let's go. Let's go earn our goddamn lunch money, right? <laughs> That's one of my favorite sayings, and I, and I truly, I truly believe that it rings true in every sport. It's time to go earn our fucking lunch money. Let's go. It's go time. All right. So I want to give a a thank you to everybody who's commenting along with us, and especially for those appreciating what we are trying to do and accomplish, and and the the impact that we're trying to make. Um, as Wisconsin sports fans, because we are the things that we're talking about, which I think qualifies us to talk about them. Mm -hmm. So we appreciate that that's resonating with people. I I really do. Um, I thank you, Taylor, for being a fan. Um, I will, I'm going to mention it one more time. We don't have an exact date yet, but uh, yeah, there's Tim. (laughs) Tim made it. Hey, Tim. <laughs> um, we will be at American Family Field sometime in May. We don't have an exact date yet for what day, but we will, uh, Jake and I, with the ladies from Mental Health America, will be setting up a table at American Family Field to promote our show and promote the um, the mental health aspect of sports, whether it be participation, fandom, or analysis. Uh, we will be doing that at American Family Field, working with the Brewers, which we are very, very excited about uh, for next month. Uh, May is Mental Health Month, so we're working on stuff for that. So we're really, really excited to be doing that with the Brewers next month. And then as far as the rest of the week goes, 
regardless of tonight's outcome, we will be streaming live during the draft tomorrow. And we will be streaming live during the draft on Friday night. So if you want to watch the draft with us and, and get some entertainment more than, than what's just on TV and listening to Mel Kuyper talk about the, all the picks that he was wrong in his, all of his mock drafts that he did. Um, and his stupid-ass haircut that he's had for 35 <laughs> years. Good yeah, yeah, and you, know, if you don't want to listen to Mel Kuyper and Kirk Herbstreit. You can come and listen to us, and we'll try to make it entertaining and have some fun. So, um yeah, I mean, that's that's where we're at. Try to lighten the mood a little bit towards the end of the show by uh, bringing up the stuff that we're excited for. So there will be two more Wisco Fanatics episodes this week during the draft, and we're going to talk through it because we spent the last six weeks talking about players. So now we're going to watch them get drafted, and un- yep. undoubtedly it's going to happen that a player that we liked goes to a team we don't like. It's going to happen. Yeah, I know. It's got to mentally prepare. I was literally thinking about that today. I was like, dude, if Keanu Benton ends up on the freaking like bears, I'm going to be so fast. Oh. Uh, appreciate it, Greg. Uh, we're excited to watch the drafts and we're excited to, to have Simon and Bryant with us during the draft. Cause it was a lot of fun last year during the first round. So this year, we're- <laughs> I, I just game. love Bryant's randomness, dude. <laughs> I <laughs> hope somebody wears a giant, uh, a giant black suit that has a big red stripe through the middle. Of the <laughs> hey, what up, Simon? How you Simon, doing, buddy? Red stripe, hooray, beard. That was, oh, that was a great moment. Yes, we have um, Taylor. That guy's pretty famous. Yes, Taylor. We've heard of of Tom Grassi. He's got like a big announcement coming tomorrow. I'm, oh, I'm does not he? Not sure what it is, but oh. it'll well, be he, cool for him. Tomorrow. He's got a he's got a much bigger following than we do, but hopefully a, a following and a platform that we hope to have someday. Yeah. We're going. We're going at a different angle than him. So maybe one day we can collab with him. That that could be a goal of ours be fun. eventually. All right. You got anything else? Let's go, Bucks, baby. All right, for sure. We will be back tomorrow. Either way. So everybody that watched us today, you can watch us tomorrow on Friday too. We will be back. Thank you guys for watching us today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park